Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Dallin H. Oaks, at the time of the speech we are going to be looking at, is first counselor in the first presidency. He gave a message titled Kingdoms of Glory, and if you'd like to follow the transcript of this talk that he gave, it can be found in the November 2023 edition of the Leahona Magazine. And because this is a general conference message, it carries some significant weight for members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that are not supposed to take conference messages lightly, even though we know in their history they certainly have done that when it comes to a lot of embarrassing statements that past leaders have made in various general conferences. But that's another radio show. The pull quote underneath the title of this talk, and it can be found on page 26, is, We have a loving Heavenly Father who will see that we receive every blessing and every advantage that our own desires and choices allow. Bill, when we talk about Mormonism and we're talking to Latter-day Saints, how often do they stress the idea of grace? They always want to bring that out and that we believe in grace just like you do. But I think what this talk is going to show us is that this is the way that it always has been in this religion, that it's based on what you do. It's based on your desires and your choices. It's based on your good works, which is contrary to what the Bible says, that we're not saved by works. You bring up the word grace, and it's true that the theology of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints does have a doctrine of grace. But as we find in talking to our LDS acquaintances, it's always imperative to make sure you define the terms that are being used in the conversation. If you do not do that, you will be speaking past each other. They will be using words and defining them in their head one way. You are using words and defining them in your head another way. So you're really not communicating. When I share the gospel, I want to make sure I can communicate a clear message. I want the person that I'm speaking to to understand what I mean when I use certain words. I don't want to assume he understands what I'm saying. I want to make sure he understands what I'm saying. When we look at this conference message titled Kingdoms of Glory, Dallin Oaks is going to use a lot of terms. And if you do not understand where he got those definitions, then you're going to have some real problems in trying to understand what he means and, and how he's pulling verses out of the Bible. And he does yank a lot of verses out of the New Testament, and you and I would agree, Eric, he uses them very badly. But the reason why he uses them badly is because of his presuppositions of those terms. He's defining them in a way that the New Testament authors obviously never intended. And because of that, he draws false conclusions. So what we're going to do, and we have a lot of highlighting on our copy of our Liahona magazine, 
because I will say this, Eric, this is one of the few conference messages that we have seen in a long time that deals with real, specific, unique LDS teaching. Many of the messages that we hear in general conference are usually the typical pep talk messages. Go do good and then do better. This is one of the few where we have an LDS leader in the church, Dallin Oaks, giving us some real specifics. And so we want to analyze what he says in this talk and hopefully educate our listeners on what a Latter-day Saint means when they use certain terms, because it's very important to do so. Uh, you brought out a great point, too, that we do need to know what is being understood by the Latter-day Saint versus what we're saying. And I think an easy question to ask is, what do you mean when you say grace? Now, in Second Nephi 25:23, it says that we're saved by grace after all we can do. Well, after all we can do, is not a part of the New Testament idea of what grace is. And so you're going to have to understand a little bit about what the church teaches. A big part of what we do here on Viewpoint on Mormonism is trying to show you what the leaders are saying. Regardless of what a bishop might say or a, a layperson in the church might say, we want to see what the doctrine is. And this teaching here is certainly talking about a works-oriented faith. Let me start off with what Oakes says in his talk. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are frequently asked, how is your church different from other Christian churches? Among the answers we give is the fullness of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Foremost among that doctrine is the fact that our Heavenly Father loves all his children so much that he wants us all to live in a kingdom of glory forever. Moreover, he wants us to live with him and his Son, Jesus Christ, eternally. His plan gives us the teachings and opportunity to make the choices that will assure us the destiny and the life we choose. Notice carefully the wording there, folks. The opportunity to make the choices that will assure us the destiny and the life we choose. So basically, we have the opportunity during this mortality to live a life and predicated on what we do in this life will determine what we get in the next life. And he's going to make that very clear. And where he doesn't, we're going to give other quotes that do make it clear. But let's go back, Eric. When Oaks says, foremost among that doctrine is the fact that our Heavenly Father loves all his children so much that he wants us all to live in a kingdom of glory forever. He's assuming, as all Latter-day Saints do assume, that all of human creation are the literal children of Heavenly Father, and in Mormonism, a Heavenly Mother. So every human being you see, he is going to identify them as a child of God. Now, the New Testament does not do that. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't Christians that erroneously, perhaps ignorantly, have used the expression when referring to mankind that we're all the children of God. I hear it in movies, I've read it in books, but it's not good theology. And if you're a Christian, I'm hoping you're wanting to have good theology. Don't use terms that are magnifying bad theology. And that's what Oaks is doing. It's very typical. They believe that we are all the literal children of God, 
based on a physical relationship between a God who has a body of flesh and bones and a heavenly mother who has a body of flesh and bones. They are procreating as a result of that procreative act. We were produced as spirit children of our heavenly parents, waiting to take on mortal bodies here on earth because in the presence of heavenly father and mother, and if you're living in the 19th century, of course, when polygamy was being practiced, it would be heavenly father and heavenly mothers. They don't emphasize that any longer. But we could only do so much in that spiritual state. We needed to take on human bodies and then prove ourselves worthy in order to get back into the presence of Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother or Heavenly Mothers, depending on the time that you were born in the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is the basis for what Oaks is going to be talking about here. First of all, let's examine very quickly this idea that all are children of God. The first verse we're going to look at is John chapter 1, verse 12, and then we're going to jump into 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Let me stop you there, Eric. But to all who did receive him, receive who? Receive Jesus, who believed in his name. Who's his? Jesus's name. To those who received Jesus and believed in Jesus, he, Jesus, gave the right to become children of God. Now, why would he have to give you the right to be a child of God if you already are a child of God? That would make no sense. But here it's very clear that you must have faith in Christ if you are going to have that title of being a child of God. Now, Oaks doesn't believe this. He has another definition of what children of God means. So he's not going to see this. He's not going to emphasize this because he's assuming something else. And because he assumes something else, his erroneous theology is going to cause him to have more erroneous theology down the road. This is a verse that I think is pretty clear. But when you're talking to a Latter-day Saint, I was talking to somebody a few years ago. They were shocked that I don't believe that everyone is a child of God. And I went against that idea. And I said, I don't believe everybody is. What do you mean by that? Because it just sounds so natural that everybody who's born must be a child of God. If you have the presupposition of what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is saying, yes, you would have that. But when I read that verse that we just read and several others that we're going to read, I think it's very clear only believers in Jesus who have received salvation are the children of God. And that might shock those who are Latter-day Saints listening to us who have never heard this before, but we don't believe in the pre-existence. We don't believe that everybody was a spirit child of God before this world. I think we also have to look at verse 13. John goes on to say, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, this is an interesting take, because if we're born to be a child of God, if we're going to be adopted, and that's the phrase that's used in the New Testament, that we are adopted into the family of God by our faith in what Christ did for us. Well, if we're born into that in that fashion, it's not of blood. So it's not by some sexual act, whether in the spirit world or whatever, between a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, nor is it the will of the flesh. 
And we learn from the New Testament that our fallen nature is such that we, left to ourselves, really don't want anything to do with the true and living God of the Bible. We would rather come up with an idea of God that suits our fancies, which I think is what Mormonism actually does. But it says, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, it's not choices like we would first imagine. But yet, this whole speech is all about choices and desires and the will of the individual. Let me give you another verse from John. This is 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. The audience here, Bill? are Christians. It's obvious obvious that he's talking about children of God being believers, just like John 1.12 said. And so what we find here is the Apostle John is being very consistent in his theology. What he says in his gospel, he says also in his epistle. You become a child of God by faith in Christ, not because you were born physically. I think it's important that if we're going to discuss what Dallin Oaks is trying to get across in this conference message. We need to have a clear understanding of what the New Testament has to say about that phrase, child of God or children of God or son of God. What does that mean in a New Testament context? How is it being used by the writers of the New Testament? Because Dallin Oaks does not go along with what is said in the New Testament regarding that subject, he gets his conclusion very, very wrong. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.